Thank you for joining the City Growth Church Podcast. Here at CGC, we're a community of imperfect people living in apprenticeship to a perfect God. If you enjoyed today's message, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a brief review to help make this resource more available to your loved ones. God bless you, and let's start tracking together starting with today's message. Not allowed to say uh, things that are off, off kilter. Uh, so everybody knows this morning we're going we're gonna follow our service with uh, what we call a love feast, right? And this is this like this is the biblical uh, reasoning. This is the biblical explanation behind uh, communion that we take weekly, right? So we're gonna we're gonna. If you're a food lover this morning, raise your hand. Can I get my food lovers? Hey man, look, Bubba's like I don't really normally say much, but now you're speaking my language, right? Like. I don't normally say things, but now I'm saying some things. So this morning, uh, if you are a lover of food and the like, you're going to be in for a double treat. We have live communion this morning, and we have a love feast uh, following service. Uh, if you want to go ahead and flip in your Bible, uh, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to be in, in Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 24. Um, we're going to really focus in starting at verse 36. But before I can before I can take you there, right? Before I can bring you to that place, uh, I've I've got a couple of places I have to take you real quick. Uh, there were there were two psalms that I want to read for you bef- before we really enter in uh, to a spirit of worship. That before we enter into a place uh, of worship this morning in our continued uh, worship. So the first was Psalm chapter 30, and you don't have to flip here. There, there's going to be a lot of, if, like, you can stay in Luke 24, right? You know, I, I, I put the notes in the group afterwards. We're, we're going to be a lot of places this morning uh, before we find our, our final destination at Luke 24. So the Psalm 30, verses 4 through 5, it says, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. Verse 5. For his anger, and on Wednesday nights we're doing our, our study of David, right? And so on Wednesday night we were first introduced in our, our study of 1 Samuel to this idea of fear of the Lord. And in, in today's culture, right, when we, when we talk about fearing something, there, there's like only negative connotations, right? Does anybody have like a healthy fear of anything? Bubba's like, I don't like spiders. I don't like snakes, man. I'm, we're, we're together here. Uh, but normally we put such a negative connotation to this, this idea of fear when fear leads us ultimately to humility. Is everybody following that? Everybody catch that? So fear, this idea of fear in a biblical sense leads us to humility. Humility in a biblical sense is, is this realization or this this. This idea that, like, I'm not in charge, even of my own life, right? A, a biblical interpretation of humility is, is to place yourself second fiddle so that you can lift God to his rightful place, which is in precedence in your life, right? So verse 5 continues, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor Last a lifetime, and notice what has to come. What has to come before the favor? The fear, right? This fear of Him, right? This idea that that we know Him 
in the truest sense. That has to come before we can experience the joy, before we can experience the favor. Right? There's sacrifice to favor. Jesus, before he ever even faced the cross, Jesus to come to the earth took himself from this, this place of precedence. Right? He took himself from the power seat and made himself humble. And, and, and scripture actually says that he made himself a little below angels. Right? Because he started at the bottom. He was literally born and placed into a feeding trough. Uh, even if you're not really familiar with biblical times, that's not like a common thing. Right? We don't, we don't place children in mangers. What, what happens in the manger? Anybody ever been around farm animals? Right? So farm animals, it's not just what you put in the manger. It's what the, it's what the farm animals leave behind. Right? So Jesus was born and from the beginning was desolate. Jesus was born and he met humility. And he did all this to, to, to make an example for, for me and you. To, to lay out the example for you and I, right? And David continues in Psalm 30. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing, as, as the song we, we sang in worship this morning, rejoicing comes in the morning, right? At night. And this is not just in the in the, the our twenty four hour schedule uh, way of thinking. Night always, so we got it backwards. You know, we start. How do we start our days? In the morning, right? We we got it backwards. So the day actually starts with the night. So our our day actually starts with weeping. Y'all follow that? Because again, we're seeking. Everything that we're, we're talking about here is the principles of, of revival. We have to start revival weeping. See, we get this, this, this misinterpretation that revival will just come and be instantaneous and everything is rainbows and butterflies and people are just getting like slain in the spirit, right? But we have to start with humility. We have to start with being humbled. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some controversial things. I know y'all are like, oh, this is nothing new. We can't name revival. Everybody, you ever been, if you were raised in a certain background, about once every three months you'd have a, you know, you'd have a, a new guy come through and you were going to have a revival. That's not how revival works. Go study revival. Right? Actually go and commit the scripture and study revival. You don't just... The same people that, that name revival are the same people who are quick to the, the name it, claim it gospel, right? They're like, I want this, right? And I'm going to pray for this, and I'm just, it's going to be magic, I'm going to get it. Those same people would be quick to judge the people that, that follow what's called a prosperity gospel. Revival starts with you being humble. Do you know what the opposite of humble is? You saying, whoo, look at me, number one here, big guy, number one, chief right here, this guy. And that's what happens when we think that we get to claim revival. There, there, are, there are people who are, uh, they're, they're pastors, and they claim to be revivalists. 
but they don't lay down in humility. Guys, that's not that those two things don't go together. We we are in a in a culture that anybody familiar with the term travail? You ever you ever you ever had a tra- of a prayer of travail? This is this idea of laying on your face. This is the idea of getting on your hands and knees and just being so awestruck by God that all you can do is literally moan. You don't even have words, guys. You you can't even muster words because you are so anointed by his spirit. That's how revival begins. Revival doesn't begin by you having a dog and pony show and coming into town and saying, we're just going to have revival. And when we stop this revival, everything's just going to go back to the way it was before. Because true revival changes everything. Do you understand that? That you can't just claim revival and go back to where you were before. A true revival shakes the nations, guys. Before we can experience true revival as a church, as a city, as a state, as a nation, as a a united people, before we can have that revival, we have to start with ourselves. We're going to talk about some things this morning that may not be familiar with you guys. But I, I tell you things not that, I'm, I'm not an encyclopedia. I don't give you the definitive answers. I give you things that you can then go and search and, and seek it out yourselves, guys. It, we, we, we do. We live in an instant gratification society that thinks that life is a test, right? And it, there's just like an answer sheet, and we're just going to give you the answer sheet Right? And you're not going to do anything with it, but like you have all the right answers. No. What we do in this place, what we do together, is to strive for us to seek Him in our personal lives. For us to seek Him in our personal studies. But far too often, like way too much, guys, we lose focus. We lose sight. And first and foremost, we lose humility. We find strength, truly, guys, we find strength in worship, right? That joy, every single time, joy outweighs defeat. See, what you don't understand is that what we won't ever see or comprehend until we reach the, the, the other side of eternity is that here on earth, when Jesus took our place on the cross and there was weeping and there was... M- There was literally an outpouring of just emotion in that moment on Calvary, in heaven in that same moment. There was rejoicing like never before, right? We looked at that moment as defeat while heaven is looking at it as completion, guys. We're so quick. We're so quick in our instant gratification society to lose heart of what it is that Jesus did on the cross. We, we look at the world not just as I win, right? Like, oh, I win. But we live in a world that, you, like, your, your enemy has to be defeated. You familiar with this? Like, does this, does this ring a bell with you? It's, the, it's not enough for you to just win. Your enemy has to just be completely destroyed. And when we live that way, when we live that way, we can't truly appreciate what it is that Jesus did on the cross.
Because in that moment, everybody was made equal. In that moment, all the scales were weighed equal. That no matter how much sin that we had had poured out in our lives and that we, past, present, and future, how much sin that lives within us, Jesus paid the cost in full. Psalm 34 continues this idea, and I'm, again, I'm going to introduce some concepts to you. Uh, I'm going to try and pack a lot of information in, but it's in hopes that you will continue this in your personal study this week. Uh, Psalm 34, uh, verses 8 through 9. This was a verse of Scripture, guys. Uh, so, it's, it's just not going to be any secret. About three weeks ago, uh, we, were on, we were on vacation. We had started what was supposed to be vacation. Uh, so Friday, that Friday before, I had went to town, right? And I went and got the stuff for like Finley's birthday party at the house. And that Friday before, I had made the same trip to Anderson that I've made more times than I care to count, right? Like I wish I had a dollar for every trip I've had to make to Anderson. But here I am making this trip, uh, the same trip that I always make. And okay, y'all can judge me as weird, but I like to talk to God. Right? Like, I like to talk to God. Sometimes it's audible, right? Like, sometimes I speak out loud, and, and I, I truly believe that he speaks back out loud to me, right? But then sometimes, like, speaking to God is just this silence where you sit in humility. And here I was. I made the trip. I, I went to Anderson, got the, the stuff for, for Finley's birthday party, and I'm on my way back, and I'm sitting in silence as I'm riding. Oh, who did that? Like, I know somebody in here that wrecked your nerves, right? To just be driving in the car with no music, with nothing, right? Because we, we live in a world that we have to drown out everything. We live in a world of, of noise, right? God made us to enjoy the silence. God made us to understand that silence and solitude, Tara's over there like, I wish I could get some silence, right? Like, where, what's this silent thing y'all are talking about? And God made us to enjoy that silence. And it's not until you can call, until you can call out the noise, right? When you can see that you live in a busy, hurried world of noise, it's not until you acknowledge that and see that that you can enjoy the silence. So here I am. Driving, I won't make the sound effects. I know y'all want me to, but, you know, I'm driving back. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, so uh, this is going to be like a couple stories to get you to the full story. Y'all know how I roll, right? Uh, about two months ago, I went and actually had lunch uh, with a couple of, of brothers in, in, in the faith. And they're more on what is called the charismatic side, right? And some of y'all are like, what does that mean? It means they like to yell. Okay, those guys like to yell a little bit, and I think we could take something from their playbook, right, because they've reached a, a level of humility, and they've dropped their pride that they don't care what other people think, and they're worshiping, and I'm having uh, lunch with, with a couple guys, and one of which, like, okay, let's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not name dropping, but let's just say he's pretty important uh, in the charismatic field here for the state of South Carolina, so I'm like, you know, I'm already humbled that I get to have lunch with these guys. And so we're sitting and we're having lunch. And, you know, we're kind of talking a little bit. I like, I like to talk. I don't know if y'all 
Yeah, y'all figured that one out. So I'm talking a little bit. They're talking back. Honestly, this is like a situation where, like, God gave us two ears, one mouth for a reason, right? So I'm taking it in because these guys are older than I am, and they're dropping wisdom. Uh, younger folks, let me tell y'all something. Cherish every single one of those moments where someone who is an older, more mature believer is willing to pour into you. Okay, so I, I hate to say it this way, but shut up and listen, right? Like we we got to call it what it is. Shut up and listen. And I was shutting up and listening. And these guys are just, so I, uh, these guys are prophesying over me, right? And they're like, look, they don't even, like, they haven't even asked. And they're like, I know that you haven't been, you know, slain in the spirit yet. And I know that you, you have not, you know, spoken in other tongues. And I'm like, how are you not? But I don't say that, right? Because remember, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting up and I'm listening. So I'm, here I am shutting up and listening. And so this older, much older gentleman, uh, one's about, I guess, 15 years older than I am. The other is, he's a little older than I am, okay? So we'll just leave it there. And so he's like, he's like, Caleb, it's going to happen. And I'm like, see, I don't know if you know how I was raised, but, right? Like, we don't talk, that, tongues is like Bruno. Y'all, y'all ever seen Encanto, right? Tongues is like Bruno. What, what do we know about Bruno? Nevaeh, what about Bruno? Say it out loud. We don't talk about him, right? We don't talk about Bruno. So the, the, the tongues is the same thing, right? Like I grew up in a background where it's like, oh, right? Like you, so here I am, and I'm like, well, you know, where I come from, right? But so he, he's telling me, he's like, you just got to keep praying for it, right? And I think most people know the story behind this church is that, you know, God laid a vision in my head that we were going to plant this church. And in my, my little ping-on, tiny brain, no, y'all are like, yo, it's huge. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so in my little tiny brain, I, I'm like some miraculous sign and some guy's going to be like, but the Lord start that church, right? Like I'm expecting that. And you know how it really comes is Jessica and I are getting ready for bed. I'm not being funny, but, but guess how it came? Silence and solitude. Right? So here we are at night, and it's about 9.30 at night. And if you know anything about the Lamb household, we got the kids in bed fully by 9.30, like, no NyQuil involved. Right? That's a sin. Don't do that. Wink, wink. Right? So... Yeah, I, I was raised in a household where your children were NyQuil. Uh, so here's this. Here's this, right? Here we are. Now they, now you guys see where the problems come from. And so we're sitting in silence and solitude, right? And here we are, and Jessica's like, it's time. We're, we're, we're going to plant the church. And I was like, yeah, but like, where's the fireworks and stuff? Like, where's the... Where, Here's the part where, like, you know, whoo, and it didn't come that way, right? Because we make plans and we make expectations, and then God says, here's the way that it really happens. So I'm, I'm telling you this to prepare you for the fact that sometimes you've just got, oh, man, I'm going to say it again because Judah's not here to repeat it. Scarlet, close your ears, baby girl. Sometimes you just got to shut up and listen, right? And there I was. Both in humility to my wife, because I don't y'all have met my wife, right? She's scary. Uh, so here I was 
laying it down, I was like, yep, yes, ma'am. If you said it, then I believe God told you that. Yeah, so here we are. Fast forward two years and five months, something like that later. And this is now about a month and a half ago, and I'm at this, this lunch with this older guy. I can truly recall in my mind three times that, that prophetic words were whispered on me or, or spoken on me. One of them was my grandpa growing up. Didn't even know because, again, where I grew up, we don't talk about tongues. We definitely don't talk about prophecy, right? <laughs> you sinner and fornicator, we don't talk about that, right? So my grandpa would tell me, like, regularly, and I guess it's because I got a big mouth, but he would tell me, he'd say, son, preacher or politician, like, preacher or politician, like, that, that's it, right? Preacher or politician. And, again, here we go back to respect of our, of our older our elders. When he said that, you know what I said? Yes, sir. Right? And it, it comes to fruition 20 years later. Here I am standing, right? The second was, was Jessica with, with this, this prophetic word of not only is it time, but God said, we're going to do it, and look around you. It came to fruition, right? It wasn't my power. It wasn't my ability. This church does what it does because people buy into Christ, right? People want to see an outpouring of Christ in our community. People want to see God do amazing things in our community. It's not because of me. I promise you, look. I'm never going to be the, the, the preacher that gets invited to these big conferences, right? And I'm never going to be the, the mega church guy. Well, there's reasons behind that. Like, I don't believe. I believe when you get to a certain place, like in size, it's time to, to spread autonomously so that we can reach more people, right? It's not about our power or our seeing how many people we can fit in a building. It's about how many people's lives can we touch for the gospel. So I'll never, I'll never be that guy, Right? And I'm okay with that. Not only am I okay with that, I understand that that's what God called me to do. So here we are on the third prophecy, the third prophetic word. Here is the older guy who's, again, no name dropping, right? Like, But if you went to lunch with Bill Gates, I'm just going to tell y'all. I can be humble, but I'm going to tell y'all I went to lunch with Bill Gates. We're not on that level, though, okay? So, you know, he tells me, he said, son, it's going to happen. But it's going to happen when you least expect it. I'm like, I know something about those kind of things, <laughs> right? Like, I know something about those. And now, uh, fast back, back forward, I don't know, three weeks ago, right? <laughs> Here we are, I'm riding down the road. And again, when you expect that, like, you're going to be hit with a miraculous sign or you're going to be hit with an ability or a gift or this or that, you expect that it's going to be some big, elaborate thing, right? And you're, like, making plans for it. And you're like, hey, I'm going to invite everybody I know because it's going to happen this time, this day. And that's not how it went down. Right? So here we are, me in my car, riding in silence. I was bending in the corners of my Lolo right there, if anybody was wondering. Right? And here I am, riding. And the, it hit me. As I'm praying out loud to God, it hit me in like a time when I would have least expected it. 
right? And so, I, like, I've always wondered, like, what is it going to be like if it ever happens? And here it was, and you know what happened? I said some things to God, and I don't know what I said. Right? I said things to God that I know he understood, and I'm not going to lie to you. In that moment was revealed to me. I know Tara's laughing back there. She's like, you crazy boy. Right? So taste and see. Of all the things that I'm saying to God, these, I guess it's technically three words, right? These three words just become clear to me. Taste and see. Taste and see. And I'm not going to lie. Like when you, when you experience the gift of tongues and when you experience a prophetic word, remember, we talked about it. What do you want? Like God said, you're going to go and you're just going to plant orphanages and there's going to be, right? Like you want this big thing. And here I was. It's like it's my big moment, right? My big moment happens. And at first I'm like, I have no idea. What just happened right there, right? But as I'm riding, and as I'm continuing, like, you don't stop talking to God at that moment, right? You're like, hey, I don't know what that was, but I want more of that. So I'm continuing to talk to God. And it's like I can just audibly hear the words continuing to repeat in my head. Taste and see. Taste and see. Taste and see. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stand up here and say, oh, there was just this revelation. And I knew exactly in that moment what this meant, right? But if I know anything about Scripture, I know some common Scriptures, right? So my mind went to Psalm 34, 8 and 9. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So here we are, right? Like I've been talking to God. I keep talking to God, and I'm not going to lie, I had to pull over on this one, right? Like, this is not like a, I can just keep living business as usual. No, I got I to gotta pull over on this one, right? You got to pinch yourself, make sure you're not dreaming. Right? You got to like, nope, we're sober here, right? Like, okay, everybody can laugh. And so here I am, and I, of course, I like, I pull out my Bible, Right? And I'm like, okay, I know where this one is. I know taste and see. I don't remember anything else past that point, right? Like, I, know, I just know the verse starts with taste and see. So it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the promise for our church is right here. The promise for me as your pastor was right here. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So I said, I don't have it all together, but I do know in this moment that he's pretty clear on this one, right? Like, I may not know fully what, what he's telling me with the taste and see, and maybe the taste and see wasn't even the important part, but I do know that he is pointing to me that blessed, or if you're reading out of the King James, blessed, I'm being funny because it's still the same word, right? Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I know they all are like, sometimes we come here and it's like stand-up comedy and it's not even good, right? It's like, no, it's not even good stand-up comedy. I'm like, I know. You're welcome. That's, that's the free part, okay? That's the free part. It says, fear the Lord. Oh, man. Look at that theme back again. 
Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Those who fear him lack nothing. Again, we live in our society where, what is fear? That's negative, right? Negative connotations. It's like my fear of snakes. I will run. Not fast, right? I can roll faster than I can run. It's just the shape of things. <laughs> but those who fear him lack nothing. To taste and see is to realize that his strength leaves us with no lack. Was that your strength? No, his strength leaves us with no lack. Now I'm going to introduce you to some themes uh, so that we can go into Luke chapter 24. Again, we needed to introduce these things to make the bigger picture make sense. So back in 1904, 1905 area was the Welsh Revival. And you guys are like, I have no idea what that is. Write it down on your notes. Look it up later. 1904, 1905, the Welsh Revival. Out of the Welsh Revival, that's W-E-L-S-H, I believe, Wales, right? Not like the animal, right, but like the country, Wales, the Welsh Revival. And the leader or the, I won't say the leader, the prophet of the Welsh, right? Like the orator, the one that God is speaking through is a guy named Evan Roberts. And again, y'all are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. We need to, to give you this so you can understand the next part, right? So the idea behind the Welsh Revival or the prophecy that was laid to Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival was four part. It was we must confess. It'll come up on your screen, I promise. Maybe. We must confess before God every sin in our past life that has not been confessed. Already, we just lost some people. They're like, I don't know if I like revival. Right? What's the first step? We must confess before God every sin in our past life that has not been confessed. Step number two. We must remove anything that is doubtful in our lives. Another one, any temptation that leads you to sin has got to be removed. What, what do I mean? I mean, if you're someone that is inclined to alcohol, right, and you can't, like, one is not enough and 7,000 is not too many, if that's you, don't touch it, right? If you're someone who in your heart lies lust, right, if you're someone that can't look at another person without having impure thoughts, maybe Instagram is not the thing for you. Right? We have to remove the things that will indubitably lead us to temptation, which will then lead us to sin. All right, everybody with me for a second? Temptation in itself is not sin. Don't, don't get that twisted. But temptation will lead you to sin. You've got to remove temptation in order to avoid sin. Number three. All right, if, if we didn't lose some people with the first two, this one's really not going to be your speed. Total surrender. We must say and do all that the Spirit tells us. In other words, uh, the me and my raising would, look, I might have experienced the speaking in tongues thing, but I would have never told nobody. 
And do you know what that is? That's a lack of total surrender. What does it say? What, what, did, what did Evan Roberts? That we must say and do all the things that the Spirit tells us. Can I tell you all a secret real quick? Welsh revival in Wales led to over 100,000 salvations. Are y'all following that? 100,000 salvations. What does this mean for us? It means 100,000 people you will now see in the new heaven because of the Welsh revival. The Welsh revival leads us to more things, though. It's going to get bigger. This thing is going to be big, right? We just we have to give you the baby steps to get you to the bigger. And number four, man... Okay, so you, you probably didn't like confessing sin, right? And you definitely didn't like repentance. That means not doing it no more, right? We, we don't like removing temptation from our lives, because why? Temptation feels good, right? It actually doesn't feel good. It's the sin that it leads us to. Anybody that tells you that sin don't feel good, they ain't doing it right, right? Number three, total surrender. Giving it all to Christ. Like, not, not just like a couple things. Everything. Everything. Right? Number four, because you probably didn't like those first three things. Now, number four, remember that word we kept talking about, humility? Y'all remember that? Humility. Right? Where did humility come from? It came from fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord led us to humility. Oh, man. Now, look what number four is. Making a public confession of Christ. So it's not enough to just say, I like Jesus, right? Like, that's what you say about ice cream. You say, I like ice cream. It's not enough to just say, I like Jesus. Your life has to resemble that love that you proclaim. Your life has to actually look like Jesus. We here, remember, we have our three-step thing, right? We like to practice the way. We like to follow our apprenticeship to Jesus. Be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Those three things lead us to public confessions of Christ. I'm going to go through these, these four steps really quick uh, so we can get to Luke chapter 24. The first, of course, was private confession and repentance. I'm going to read the verses really quick. You're more than welcome to jot them down, come back to them in your personal study, and spend time on them. So, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. So, this is immediately after Jesus comes to a guy named John the Baptizer. Right? So, Jesus is actually going to make an announcement or a proclamation of the good news. In other words, he's going to tell us about himself. And he says in verse 14, after Jesus, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. This is our, pers- our first public address of Jesus. And people want to misrepresent Jesus and say, Jesus, love it. No, you're explaining a hippie, okay? Just so you know, peace, love, and flowers. Except, I know y'all's little minds and the flowers you're talking about. Okay? So the time has come, he said. It's a flower. Okay, okay, buddy. Lay off the weed. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Does he say, 
just go love on everybody and tell them how pretty they are and that you're their best friend. That's not what he says, guys. He says, see your sin, call it out, and turn away from it. That's the, per that's the first public address of Jesus. Would you just be loving? Now, you got a better chance with God and love, okay? Right? Jesus came to call out our sins. Every time that he has dinner with a sinner, every time that he comes to a sinner, he leads them away from their sin. Everybody follow that? He doesn't just cure it. He doesn't just fix it. He leads them away from it. And what does leading them away from it do? It, it means I'm giving you an opportunity to not fall back into this. Second, we have to remove all sin. It's not enough to just call it. We've got to get rid of it. We have to be done with it. If you proclaim Christ and still fall in daily to the same sins you were living before, then we might need to examine your proclamation of Christ. If you say with your mouth that you believe in Jesus, but you still live like a son of hell, then we might need to examine what you're claiming. You may be a false prophet. Number two, remove all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Y'all, this is John, not the baptizer, but like the one that has a crazy vision on an island. The one that we're going to study the book of Revelation in about five weeks. Are y'all excited for that? Four more weeks of Sermon on the Mount. Five weeks from now, you guessed it right, Revelation is going to be cool. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jeremy, will you go get me a water? If we claim, put my assistant to work, guys. Right? If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Oh, man. Did y'all get that? If we claim we have not sinned, or if we say, well, I, don't, I don't do that. Hey, hey older, older folks, y'all ever, uh, ever heard this one? Thank you very much. Y'all ever heard this one? I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. Y'all ever heard that one? Well, you can't claim that if you're doing the same thing. Right? Like, you can't say that, and then you be doing the same thing yourself. So it wasn't enough to just remove the sins. Third thing that led to this Welsh revival was surrender and obedience. Total surrender. Then he said to them, this is Luke uh, chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. Then he said to them all. Y'all get that. He didn't just pick or choose a couple people, right? Then he said to them all, whoever, oh man, I don't even know if I should read it. Y'all ain't going to like this one. Oh man, but guess what, guys? It don't matter if you like it, right? That'll preach right there. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. They must deny themselves. 
Look what's come again, this word humility. To deny yourself is to be humbled in the face of God. Deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And this is Luke chapter 9, so guess what? Jesus hasn't faced a cross yet. Man, look at that, guys. It's foreboding by Jesus. It's foreshadowing by Jesus. And, and Jesus will continue that foreshadowing, uh, and he's going to actually bring it to completion in, in our, our last verses we're going to look at. But he says, but <clears throat> he is faithful. Oh, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to save their life. In other words, if you want to be number one, I'm number one in my life. You will lose it. But whoever loses their life, in other words, whoever truly puts Jesus in the first priority. Whoever stops living for self and start living, living, living for Christ will save it. Not under their own power, not under their own authority, but by the authority of the one that they claim. Verse 25, what good, oh man, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Some translations will actually say your soul. And it says soul here. Y'all know we like to nerd out a little bit. This is in Greek. This is the word. Y'all ready for it? Y'all know the word. Ruach. Right? And when we look at this word, it's, it's remember, so just like the word ball in English can, can mean multiple things. This word ruach, ruach, means multiple things. So in English, if I say ball, it could mean I'm balling, right? It could mean I literally am holding a ball. It could mean I'm going to a dance, right? Same word means multiple things. So here, this word ruach, is, normally when we look at it, we look at it from the term of spirit or the breath of God. And here we're looking at it and he says that you could, who would, would lose or forfeit their very own ruach or their very own soul. Last, the part that everybody really loves, public confession. This comes from James, the book of James, the brother of, you guessed it, Jesus. All right. James chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. It says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Everybody look at me for a second. Sin is a sickness. Sin is not just like a regular, like, a cold. Sin is a terminal illness. Just in the same way that cancer lives inside every single one of us, it's just whether it decides to mutate itself and present itself, sin lives inside each and every single one of us. And here's the thing about sin. It doesn't decide whether it's going to mutate. It mutates daily. And how do we get rid of it? By denying ourselves daily and carrying our cross daily. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Oh, wrong verse. Sick person, well, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your... Oh. Can we skip this part? Y'all, can we skip this part? No. Got to live it out, right? Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We go back to that phrase, the spirit of travail, 
right? So James, the brother of Jesus, is saying, if you actually want to follow Jesus, lay down in that spirit of travail daily. And, and, and it's not enough to just lay down in the spirit of travail. Tell others about how, how bad the things that you did were. Get them off your chest. Not for your own sake or not for your own good, but so that you won't be doomed needed. If you keep living in the same secret sin, you know what you're going to keep doing? You guessed it. You're going to keep doing it. And it becomes like a game. You're like, I haven't gotten caught yet. Right? And I hope for your sake you're caught on earth before you have to answer for it to Jesus. Right? I would, I would think I would much rather be found out here on earth. So we have to cut out those sicknesses. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Luke, remember Luke chapter 9. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now go back to, to James here, chapter 5. That we therefore confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. That the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Inside of each and every single one of us is the, the, the pray maker, right? The way maker, pray maker, right? The pray maker who can not just deny self but help others do the same thing. Maybe by you calling out your sin in your life, there's someone else who's never called out their sin and can find strength by watching you do it. Right? And it's not so that, oh, look at me. Look at look at how good I am. You ever been in like one of the like you ever been in a service where people are sharing testimonies? Y'all know where this is going, right? And you have one person that's like, Oh, Lord bless me, I smoked crack one time. Right? And then the next person's like, Lord bless me, I made the crack that they smoked. Right? And then the next person, it's like a one upping thing it becomes. That's not what God's calling us to do. I could tell y'all a story about that. It's a whole thing. But we don't have time in the day for this one. Ask me about it at dinner. I'll be more than happy to share. But that's not what God is calling us to do, right? God is calling us to, the word again, humble ourselves to taste and see. The taste and see is humility, guys. Now, with about 10 minutes to spare, I'm going to introduce you to Y'all like 10 minutes. Uh -uh, I'm ready to eat. E-A-T, Caleb. Eat. Even Scarlet back there, she's like, I can't spell, but eat, baby, eat. Luke chapter 24. This is Jesus post-death, post-burial, post-resurrection. This is Jesus post-road to Emmaus presenting himself to the two disciples walking the road to Emmaus. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the seven-mile miracle. This is after Jesus has lived the seven-mile miracle. This is after, now I need you to understand, now that you know all the good things that Jesus did, this is after Peter denied Christ three times. This is after Young John literally sat at the foot at Calvary and was like, that's crazy, y'all. Did nothing, right? Just sat and wept. 
This is after Thomas, who catches a bad rap, has doubted. In other words, this is after we as humans have done what we do. And you know what that is? Fail. Fall short of the glory of Christ. So this is after all that. And Luke chapter 24, verse 36 picks up and it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And, and okay, so let me put this into modern English. This peace be with you is an idiom in that time. And, and for us, that would be like the equivalent, like, chill out, bro. Chill out, right? Like, just, just have a chill pill, sit here, and let's talk about some things. So remember, this is after death, burial, resurrection. This is after Jesus has presented himself to a couple people. This is after Mary saw the angel in the tomb, right? All these things have already happened. Mary knows he wasn't there. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John, right? He, does, he doesn't ever say, you know, it's me, John, the disciple. He, he always says, disciple that, that, that Jesus loved. It's after John and Peter have their, their race to the tomb. Right? So they all know that he really did the things that he said he was going to do. This is after other people have now seen him and had faith. Now hold that. He says, peace be with you. So in other words, Jesus is saying, y'all are about to trip, and it's okay. Just hold on with me, right? Like, y'all are about to lose it. Go ahead and yell, but then come back to earth with me. They were startled and frightened. Okay? They, thinking they saw a ghost. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. All right, guys. The same people who said, Jesus, I'll follow you to the end of the earth. Jesus, I will always know you by your voice. Jesus, I'm just so devoted to you. Those same people are now seeing the risen Jesus, and they're like, Oh, a ghost! It's easy, right? In our flesh, to not see Christ for who he is. Christ can be at work within you, and you can be so oblivious to it, guys. Why? Because you're so busy chasing self. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. <laughs> right? There's your sound effect for the day. I didn't do the car for you. Verse 38, he said to them, why are you troubled? He could have said, Peter, I told you. Right? He could have said, Thomas, stop doubting. He could have went and said, Mary, I wasn't there. But he didn't. He said, why are you troubled? The first thing he does, guys, is worries about us. While we're in the middle of doubt, he's worried about us. And why do doubts rise in your minds? Jesus is going to put us, literally, our minds to ease. Remember, he said, peace be with you, and it's not enough. He's not just going to give us lip service and say, calm down. He's actually going to show us how to do it. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Again, it's not just enough to talk about it. He says, touch me and see. Watch this, y'all. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
Y'all following that? A ghost ain't got a body, y'all. Touch me. This is a body. And then I like to think that I'm like Jesus in this nature because watch what happens next. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, right? And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, now it's not fright, right? Now it's joy and amazement. And now look, y'all, I'm just saying I'm like Jesus in this regard, right? We've had this great reveal, and then you know what he says? Y'all got any grub, right? You have anything to eat? Jesus took naps and Jesus snapped. That's my kind of God, y'all, right? Like, I can follow those leads. Verse 42, and he, he doesn't really do this so that, let me give y'all a little background insight. Back in Genesis, right, and in Judges, we have spirits that are really angels, and they prove that they were who they were by sitting and having a meal with them, right? We see it with Abraham. We see it again in Judges with the birth of Samson. He proved he was who he said he was by being with them, not just talking about it, he sits and eats a meal with them, guys. Why is it important to enjoy meals with one another like what we're about to do? Because Jesus said it was important. He used it as a way to ease people's minds. Who would say that today in their lives there's some trouble? If that didn't get you raising your hand, tell me your secrets after service. I do too, buddy. I got a lot of them. Verse 44, and he said to them, this is what I told you. While I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled. In other words, remember all those times y'all kept calling me the Christ and the Messiah? Remember, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you, yeah, right? I just, I was like, you, you say that I am. This is what is written about me in the law of Moses. The, the, the Hebrew Bible, or your Old Testament, is made up of three things. This is the law of Moses, or the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, right? Or the Torah. The prophets, and that's made up of, you guessed it, prophets, right? And the Psalms. So these are the writings of David and Solomon, his son. This would include the book of Ecclesiastes. These are, are wisdom literature. So he said, in other words, he said, all the laws pointed to me. All the prophets told you about me. And the psalmists, they all glorified me. And I had to do these three things. It, look, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you miss this, everything. The Christ must suffer. The Christ must rise again. And then third and most important, I believe, that the Christ must be preached. He must be proclaimed. So verse 45, look guys, this right here, you have to get this. You, you have to get this, guys. I tell you all about how important it is to, to, to really enjoy your personal study time, to really spend that time in the Word. You're like, but it's just, I don't know what to do. But then you're not submitting. Because Jesus gave us very clear instructions here in verse 45. 
Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Guys, I'll read that again. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. It wasn't enough for him to talk about it. He showed us how to live it. He breathed it into us. That same ruach, or that same spirit that he was alluding to, he, he brings back into precedence. And actually, in this moment, guys, in this instance in Scripture, the Holy Spirit that, that, the Holy Spirit that was promised, the Holy Spirit he's told us about, in this moment, in this instance, this actually correlates this passage with Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, where we see that he said, stay here and the power will come from within and it will lay upon you, right? And then in Acts chapter 2, we see the Spirit spirit descend on earth and it doesn't come this time like a dove like it came in peace and serenity on Jesus after the baptism no this time it'll come in fire just like we with Moses in the burning bush it will come as a great refiner verse 46 he told them this is what is written again the threefold ministry of Christ the Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead, and on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Very important here, guys, to all nations. This is the word ethnos or ethne. This is all people groups. This is all people. Black, white, Asian, Pan-American, Latin American, everybody. Greek, Jew, Gentile, uh, Hellenistic Greek. This is all people groups, guys. Beginning at Jerusalem. I told y'all, this coincides, I promise you. Go and take Luke chapter 24, the end, and then go look at Acts chapter 1. And tell me if those two things aren't fitting together like a glove. You know, some people actually deny that Luke wrote the book of Acts. And if you deny that, go and look at Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1 and tell me it's not the same story coming together. Verse 48. This is uh, in Matthew 28, uh, 16 through 20. We, we hear and we see what is called the Great Commission, right? That we have to go and tell. This is Luke's version of the same thing. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, for I'm going to send you, y'all, this is a very important promise. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until, y'all, everybody read this one out loud with me. If you can read, the, if you can see the screen, raise your hand. If you're a kid, just mumble and act like you can read it, okay? I'm cool with that. Let's all read verse 49 together. You ready? One, two, three. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Y'all know what he's talking about? The Holy Spirit, guys. The Holy Spirit is going to come into your life. You just have to see it into fruition. It won't look the same for everybody. 
It won't be the same spiritual gift for everybody, but if you are truly a believer of Christ, the Holy Spirit will present itself within you. I'm going to pray for us real quick, and we'll prepare our live communion uh, before we have another meal, right? Like, this is a twofer, guys. This is something to get excited about, all my, all my big boys in the house. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just we're so thankful today, Lord, to just be able to, to rest in your spirit, God, that we would just come in a place of travail, Lord, that we would truly seek this out, God, that we would truly seek you out, that we would see your promises in our lives, God, and that, that we would truly just allow you to rest and clothe us on high, God, that we would follow your name and that your spirit would rest upon us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.